whoever is listening, however you are listening, I want to welcome you back. My name is Grayson Mann, and this is your MWP, also known as the Man with a Plan podcast. This is episode 11. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day as usual, and I just want to say a couple things before we start. I want to thank you all for 70 subscribers on the channel and over 600 views. That is absolutely ridiculous. You guys are insane. I put something out earlier to anyone on my social media asking to help me get to that goal, and y'all crushed it. I'm absolutely thankful, beyond thankful. There's not much else I can say besides that. And then this is the final episode of The Man With A Plan. Not in general, but I'm currently in the attic of my house, and I'm currently planning on moving into college on Sunday. I'm going back for my second semester. I'm so excited about that. If you are listening to this and you know me from Clemson, shout out to you guys. You're the best. And The Man With A Plan will continue as scheduled. The episodes may not be as frequent, but we're going to try to get them out when we can. I'm just so excited to be able to have the opportunity to bring it up there and continue to work on content. But enough of that. Today, we're going to talk about Urban Meyer to the NFL. I have some thoughts on that and the general coaching, the coaching carousel, as they call it. And then we're going to talk about the divisional games and predictions, previews, all my thoughts on that. And then we have a what's the plan topic. So let's shift to Urban Meyer in the NFL. I really didn't expect this coming. I know a lot of rumors were about Urban Meyer in the NFL. And then the top team for that rumor is the Jacksonville Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence. And I think for Urban Meyer, the best thing for him is to go to a situation in the NFL where he's not trying to entirely rebuild. Because I think not only is the college transition to NFL super, super hard, Nick Saban isn't with the Dolphins right now. He tried being an NFL coach after LSU and ended up in Alabama. Things work out for him. Can it work for Urban Meyer? Obviously, if he goes to Jacksonville, and I don't want to turn this into a speculation topic, but I'd be very excited about the prospect of Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer being on the same team and building that franchise back from the dirt basically they finished two and 14 and oh no they finished one and 15 my apologies and they have the number one pick in the nfl draft urban meyer obviously has a stacked resume he's won three national championships with florida with ohio state the only question is can that transition work can you attract nfl players to jacksonville obviously it's a fantastic place to live it's a fantastic place to be i've been to jacksonville before i love the place i know a couple guys that are at jacksonville and live there one of the, if you were listening, you know who you are. All I want to say is don't speculate about Urban Meyer going to Jacksonville. Like, I'm like saying Urban Meyer to Jacksonville. He could really be anywhere, or he can continue to be a Fox Sports analyst. I would just say that the prospect of him being on the Jaguars would be actually, if I'm an NFL player, I'd be very, very attracted to it, especially if I'm the end of my contract and I don't like where I am. The situation is very, very appealing to me because if they draft Trevor Lawrence, they have G.J. Chark. James Robinson, they have a lot of pieces. They just needed to put it all together. They've had an issue with quarterback, Blake Bortles, Gardner Minshew. Is it one of those guys? It hasn't worked out or hasn't panned out that way. They've been pretty crappy as a franchise overall the last couple of years. Their glory days, I guess you could say, in the 2000s are that AFC Championship run where they lost to the Patriots. That would be exciting to see. I think that presence alone would, be, would boost them as a franchise, and maybe you can get a guy brought in in the fran- in the offseason that could potentially pair with Trevor Lawrence. That's just my thoughts on it. Maybe he goes to the Chargers or some other team. That's just an intriguing prospect. If that hire is made, we'll definitely talk more about it. 
But I just want to focus today also on the divisional games. The first game up, I also, like I did before, we're going to go in schedule, order of the schedule. So we're going to start with the Saturday games, and then we're going to do the Sunday games. So let's start with the Los Angeles Rams and the Green Bay Packers. For me, this game could be the most dangerous game of the weekend. Los Angeles is literally limping in like they did against Seattle, but they are they have momentum, and I think that's super important in the playoffs. No matter who you're facing, you don't want to face a team that's hot. I wouldn't necessarily classify as the Los Angeles Rams as this hot team that's putting up 50 points and doing all this, uh, we're going to destroy you, we're going to walk in there, mop the floor, all this stuff. I don't think they're that team necessarily going up against the Packers who are also really hot, but they've been rested for the last couple weeks. They've been able to sit back and watch things progress and things come to them. They're not having to travel anywhere. It's going to be probably like five degrees in Lambeau. It's going to be, oh my gosh. I don't get how, I want to do a digress thing here. I don't get how people are so accustomed to the cold, like Aaron Rodgers and those players that have been there for so long. How do they get accustomed to it being that cold? It's ridiculous to me, especially when it starts snowing or raining there. Oh, oh, I, I just could never live there. So let's go back to the Rams, talk about Cam Akers. Obviously, he had a fantastic game against the Seahawks, his first playoff game. You could really tell that Los Angeles has their team. It's just, who's going to be the quarterback? Is it going to be John Mulford? He's obviously back. He's been practicing. He had to go to the hospital following the hit on Jamal Adams. Or is it Jared Goff, who only completed nine throws, but was able to get it done against the Seattle Seahawks? I don't really know. I was trying to look up something or look on Twitter, see, can I find an answer on Jared Goff or John Mulford? But I wasn't able to find anything, unfortunately. But I think the the obvious is to stick with Jared Goff and have Wolford be that emergency QB should you need him again. Should Jared Goff's thumb get dislocated again? I don't know how that works. But I said in the last podcast, if Jared Goff is healthy, then I think this Rams team could be a Super Bowl team. It's There's a lot of dangerous elements to the Los Angeles Rams. Obviously, Aaron Donald is one of them. Cooper Cup, Cam Akers, that defense, Jalen Ramsey cannot go up against anybody. The stat with DK Metcalf. Four catches, 44 yards, in a span of three games. And if you hear something in the background that is a truck moving by the house, one thing I I am very excited about to move into a dorm is the minimal distractions there. But I'm distracting from the topic I'm trying to talk about. Let's focus on the Packers. This is, this is what happens when I focus on other things. Let's focus on the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, like I said before, they are the rested team. They had the bye. This year, it was unique because only one team could access the bye. Access, like there's like a key to it or something. They had the bye. They sat and watched wildcard weekend. They got healthy. So they're going to be one of the more fresher teams going into the postseason. They're going to be going up against a very physical team. And that was the main concern for Green Bay going into any game this year is can they be physical? That was the, mock, the knock on them all offseason because they got absolutely trounced by San Francisco last year being a physical team with a fantastic D-line that can get pressure on the quarterback, can Aaron Rodgers step it up and complete this MVP season that he's had? He's been absolutely insane, but can he take it to that next level in the playoffs? I think he can, and unfortunately for the Rams, I think that their sweet Cinderella run, if you want to call that, will end. But I think it stays close, and I think Jalen Ramsey's going to make it very tough on Aaron Rodgers. He's such a fantastic corner. Obviously, the narrative's going to be Jamal, Jamal Adams, Jalen Ramsey versus Devontae Adams. 
How does that shake up? Can Aaron Rodgers create separation with his throws? If he can th literally throw Devontae Adams open, that would be insane. There's tons of receivers. Alan Lazard, St. Brown. Aaron Jones is fantastic on the run, in the, on the ground game. I'm excited to watch this game. My score prediction is going to be Packers 27, Rams 17. I think that it'll be close in the first half, but you're going to start to see Green Bay pull away. They're such a fantastically coached football team, and Aaron Rodgers is on some sort of otherworldly revenge tour that I think that he's going to find a way to pull away. All right, I want to talk about the Bills and the Ravens. This is a game that could be the best game of the entire postseason. Two explosive offenses, two explosive MVP candidates, and the potential for snow. I was reading some stuff to prep for this episode, and I saw that Lamar Jackson was saying, I don't want it to snow. I don't think you want your franchise quarterback saying anything about, I don't want this, I don't want that. But if it starts snowing in Buffalo, I'm going to go insane. The fans are going to go insane. It's going to be such an electric game. But I think if it snows, it would honestly benefit the Ravens. They're more of a running team than Buffalo would be. But I guess you could say, well, Buffalo's used to the snow. And then we're making a podcast about snow. The Man with the Plan Snow Podcast. Anyways, let's see some other things. Lamar Jackson versus Josh Allen. The Bills got their first playoff game, W, in a long, long time. And I said on the other podcast on our wildcard breakdown, that I wanted the Bills to face a team other than the Steelers. I wanted them to face the Ravens and the Titans because I believed that Buffalo, in order to prepare most for Patrick Mahomes, let's assume, going on a whim here, let's assume that the Chiefs beat the Browns and the Bills beat the Ravens, or the Bills had played the Steelers. For two straight weeks, you're playing the same type of quarterback. Immobile, older, can't throw the ball as well as he used to, take sacks easy, not able to create plays out of the pocket. Now you get that chance to be able to go up against somebody that's electric, that's able to create plays when everything breaks down. If the Bills get pressure on Lamar, he easily can get out of the pocket and try to run for a first down. That's a similar play style to Mahomes. It's not to that extreme. I mean, you saw the way Lamar Jackson ran on Sunday, not Saturday. He's insane. He's so fast. Can Buffalo contain Lamar Jackson? That's the big story of this weekend. If the Bills are able to contain Lamar Jackson and make him throw passes, make him make those hard throws. He tried to squeeze a corner route, I believe, on Sunday. If I had a way to be able to watch the film the way the coaches do, that'd be fantastic. I know there's some subscription you can pay for. I just don't have that kind of money right now, and I don't want to spend that kind of money yet. If you guys want me to do like film breakdowns for some reason, we can do that. That'd be fun to do. It'd just be something that I would have to take place over the summer. But anyways, Lamar Jackson was trying to throw a corner route to... I think it was, doesn't matter. He was trying to throw a corner route, and then it was picked off by Patriots le Patriots legend. My brother made that joke to me. Ooh, Malcolm Butler. He made that Super Bowl interception. Malcolm Butler picks it off. It wasn't the best thrown ball, but if Buffalo can make Lamar Jackson do that on a continuous basis, because obviously the game was tight, the Ravens were able to do different things. Let's say Buffalo jumps up 7 or 10 in the fourth quarter, and the Ravens can't chew the clock. That's their style. They like to control the clock use that time, going seven, eight-minute drives. If Buffalo is able to do that, and they're up by 10 in the fourth quarter, can Lamar Jackson make those tough throws over the middle or a sideline ball? His best throws, actually, are him scrambling out of the pocket and making sideline balls, so that's on me there. If Lamar Jackson just goes completely bonkers and throws the ball super well, rushes the ball super well, the Bills are in so much trouble. My goodness. 
but I think it's going to be an explosive, explosive game. This is the game I'm most excited for. I think it's going to be the most competitive game of the divisional weekend. And I have the Bills winning 38-31 solely because I think it's going to come down to throwing. And Josh Allen is on a different level than I thought he was. He's so mature. He's able to make the small throws. I keep referencing the past episode. And you should go take a look at it if you want a wildcard breakdown of what the heck happened on Saturday and Sunday of last week. Josh Allen is so fantastic about making the small throws. And he's no longer a gunslinger in my mind. He only needs to do it when he has to. He's not like, I need to chuck this down 70 yards every single play to make it work. He makes it work with the little throws, the slants. And I think Stefan Diggs is a huge part of that development because he always has a security blanket if he needs it. And then you have Gabriel Davis. You have Cole Beasley. Gabriel Davis made some insane catches on Sunday. We forgot to talk about him, but boy, he's good. Anyways, Bill, I have Bills up 38-31 against the Ravens. Fantastic game, competitive game. I'm so excited for it. When I return, we're going to talk about the Browns and the Chiefs, and then we're going to talk about Tampa Bay versus New Orleans, and then we're going to finish off the show with a what's the plan topic. My name is Grayson Mann. This is your MWP, and we will be right back. back welcome back to the man with plan podcast as always i hope you're having a fantastic day let's jump right into the browns and the chiefs this is the first game of the sunday slate for the divisional round this game is not the game that i predicted to happen for the divisional round browns and chiefs patrick mahomes in his first campaign in the 2021 season is going against cleveland what cleveland of all teams that's insane I absolutely love it. This game, while I don't think it's going to be as competitive or as electric as the Bills-Ravens game, it's the one I am most excited for. And I probably said that before, oh, I'm excited for this game, I'm excited for that game. But man, I am so excited about this Cleveland team. The story that the Browns have, they were 0-16, and now they're in the playoffs, they're 11-5, they're one of the final eight teams in football. They're not picking at the top eight, they're the final eight teams in football striving for that Super Bowl trophy. Man, what a story. Baker Mayfield gets his first win. It's really been a W for the 2018 draft class. Well, if you're Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen, you're not really feeling the love here. I'm sorry. Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, if you somehow are listening to the Man With a Plan podcast, I'm sorry. I hope the best for you guys. But anyways, this game for me is David versus Goliath because obviously the Chiefs are a juggernaut. They're a powerhouse. They're the unstoppable force, the immovable object. But the Browns have a formula, and I think they're going, according to what I've read, I don't want to be Adam Schefter here, according to what they've read, they have seen, (laughs) well, (laughs) sorry about that. Cleveland is getting their coach back. Cleveland might get their all-pro guard Joe Bitonio back. I'm sorry, I botched that reading. And they're getting Denzel Ward back. So they're getting their team back, and they're going to be in probably the best shape they've been all year in terms of health and COVID. They're going to be rolling in here. I think for Cleveland, it's you have to play like there's no pressure again because nobody's giving you a chance to beat this Goliath of a team, this Chiefs team. Patrick Mahomes against Baker Mayfield? I'll take Patrick Mahomes every day of the week. I actually picked the Chiefs to win this game. But anyways, the Browns, if they're going to win this game, obviously they need to have the same formula they had all season. Run, run, run. Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, that is your dynamic duo. That is what you've been leaning on all season. It's what's made Baker Mayfield so comfortable. 
in the right situations. He's made great throws too. Baker Mayfield's really stepped it up this season. He's only, He had 26 touchdowns, 8 picks. That's pretty efficient for your first round pick. Number one overall pick be that. And I think that for Cleveland to keep that momentum up, just keep playing with that energy. I think Baker, for all the hate that he gets for his personality, I think he brings a certain energy that Cleveland really never has had. And it's taken a couple of years for that to fester into something that's positive instead of just this Johnny Manziel like, oh, I'm I'm this swagger guy. I can do whatever I want. I can make all these throws. And it just it's a disaster. I think Cleveland has formed that energy around Baker Mayfield. And they're finally becoming a team that is playing with energy, playing well. And with Stefanski, there's a real culture there that we're not the same Browns. We're going to sacrifice for each other. We're going to make plays for each other. And it's really shown. And I'm excited to see how that formulates into a game against the Kansas City Chiefs. If it's close in the fourth quarter and you're able to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field, that's where you're really in the best situation. Because if you can keep Mahomes off the field and you make him start sweating a little bit, because they're probably not expecting Cleveland to come in there and be super competitive and blow them off the water like they did Pittsburgh because I think Pittsburgh has its issues we're going to make a whole I'm planning to do a whole thing about Pittsburgh in the offseason I think that there's a lot of issues there I think that they need to cut some guys loose I think you're starting to see some repeats of former personalities if you know what I'm talking about so let's shift to the Kansas City Chiefs obviously 14 and 2 fantastic year for Kansas City they're back where they are they're back where they need to be and they got that bye, so they're going to be rested. They're going to be ready to go for next week. I think for Kansas City, all they really need to do to win this game is to keep that Brown. They need to make sure that they get up on the Browns early and make sure there's no opportunity for momentum. Because we haven't seen a playoff Cleveland team yet, and we'll, based off of what we've seen for Cleveland all this time, we don't have a template for what happens in the playoffs with this Kevin Skafanski team when things get rough. You're going to fire back at me, I'm sure. Cleveland's never been in the playoffs. Why are you saying this type of analogy? Well, what does Cleveland been like all year? They've been inconsistent at times. This either is going to be a team that played against the Jets and lost, or it's going to be a team that mopped the floor with a Steelers team in the playoffs. I don't know what type of Browns team I'm going to get on Sunday. I hope it's the better Browns team, so it's a better football game. But the Browns have little room for error here, is what I'm trying to say. You can't force a couple three and outs you can't afford to lose your 28 nothing lead you can do that against Pittsburgh you cannot do that against Kansas City Kansas City is too good of a football team to be able to make mistakes the one analogy I wanted to use was it's like playing game like Madden let's say that's the game we use it's like going from rookie mode to all pro rookie mode you can throw up a couple 50 50 balls and the DB's gonna drop it but in all pro you gotta make the right throw at the right time at the right place because there are no mistakes allowed there. I think there's an all Madden thing. There's there. I don't know all the ro- the modes. All pro is the only one. I know that's the hardest one, but maybe there's one that I'm not aware of. Maybe there's like a Hall of Fame mode. Oh my gosh. That'd be insane. Hall of Fame. But what I was trying to say is the Browns have little room for error here. They're playing on all pro mode. I think last week was maybe like something got turned to rookie mode. I'm not sure. This is crazy. We're talking about Madden on a podcast. This is unheralded, but whatever. I, in the end, think that Kansas City is going to control this game. I think Cleveland sticks with it for a while because they're going to be able to run the football well. Baker Mayfield, I think Baker Mayfield's biggest year is the year where he has to take a step back and be the game, the controller, the point guard in a sense. I'm going to take the Chiefs 
I think it's going to be a fun game, but Patrick Mahomes will face Buffalo in the AFC Championship. All right, let's go to the final game of the weekend. It's going to be Tampa Bay versus New Orleans. I want to start off by saying I saw this graphic from Tom Brady, the History Channel. Tom Brady versus Drew Brees, the battle of the two old scholars. I thought that was hilarious. I love how they can take a joke. But this game feels a lot different than it did in Week 1. The Saints have blasted the Buccaneers in their first two matchups. But I think it's different now because now you have Tampa Bay who's found themselves. Antonio Brown has found his footing. Tom Brady feels comfortable. Bruce Arians is coaching well. The defense is firing on all cylinders. The Buccaneers are hot at the right time. And this is what you expect out of a playoff team run by Tom Brady. This team's going to be hot when it needs to be at the right time. We don't care about September and October. This is now. This is Super Bowl time. I'm really concerned too because I think the Saints have a lot of problems that were exposed against a really bad Bears team that needs desperate coaching change. We're going to talk about two in the offseason. Nat Nagy needs to go. The Saints did not look good against the Bears. They were able, they were under constant pressure with Drew Brees. They weren't able to create points when they needed to. And let's say that Javon Wims catches that ball and that game is 7-10 to in the Bears' favor. Does that game change a little? Did the Bears get a little more forceful with offense? Uh, offensive play calling because they were way too conservative for my liking. I think that Mitch Trubisky would have benefited from just leaving it all out on the field and I'm digressing from the Tampa Bay Saints game because I think that the Bears showed us that the Saints are beatable, especially at home. I know they have a fantastic roster. They've built something fantastic. Sean Payton always knows a way to get his team back in the postseason and be competitive. I mean, let's say that Minnesota, that that ball is dropped by Stefan Diggs or someone makes a tackle, you're in the NFC Championship game. A pass interference is called, you're playing Brady in the Super Bowl. I mean, it's insanity to think that the Saints have been three lucky, unlucky plays from a big Super Bowl run. But I think that Tampa Bay is overall a more talented football team at this point, and I take Tom Brady in the playoffs more than Drew Brees because I think Brady has proved himself more. Brees has, of course, won a Super Bowl, but we're going to get into a comparison of rings here, six against one. And you're going to tell me, but the Saints went 2-0 against the Bucs in the post, in the regular season. I think that the Buccaneers have found themselves. Their identity is there. We just re- reiterated that at the beginning of this segment. Tampa Bay is a completely different football team than they were five, six weeks ago. These things happen. Teams start to find themselves in the po- in the re- late ugh, the late part of the regular season. And if you can stay hot in the postseason and the end of the regular season, that is something to be aware of. And I think if you want to talk about concerns for Tampa Bay, it's their defense because Taylor Heineke absolutely ran all over them and was able to create plays in his second start as a pro. Now, that's either a testament to Taylor Heineke as a football player or Tampa Bay's defense has some problems. Again, if you heard that, that's probably a truck. I am so sorry. Um, That's my concern for Tampa Bay overall. Is it just a fluke with Heineke? Is there not enough film on him to be able to make a consistent game plan? Or is Tampa Bay's defense got some problems? For me, the New Orleans Saints offense and the Tampa Bay defense, the both things that I'm concerned about, they're going to go right up against each other. So whoever wins that matchup wins the football game. And I think the Saints, are the Buccaneers, are going to be able to create consistent pressure on Drew Brees, and they're going to be able to give Tom Brady the ball back multiple times. And I think the Buccaneers are going to take this game 24-20. to Alright, we're going to do a last-minute topic. It is the What's the Plan? As always, you can be featured on the show if you leave a comment or DM me on my Instagram. That's the at the MWP with an underscore following the P. 
with hashtag what's the plan and a question. It can be about literally anything, anything. If you just want to get on the show, I had people ask me about songs. People ask me about running backs. This one is going to be, this one from Kelly, and it's going to be, what is the Eagles' future future moving forward, and what do they look without Doug Peterson? We've talked about the Eagles a couple times on this show, but for me, it is, what is going on with Howie Roseman? Howie Roseman is the GM for the Philadelphia Eagles, and there's been some talk about him being very power-hungry, and I don't like that for a GM, especially on a team that's struggling. You need to be able to work together as an organization and a group. My second question to you is, who is your quarterback? Jalen Hurts or Carson Wentz? I think this firing of Doug Peterson more benefits Carson than it does Jalen Hurts, and you have a legitimate QB battle, so somebody is willing to step up. Well, they're going to step up because of their job, but someone's going to step up, and I think this could be like with Aaron Rodgers, where he had a potential replacement be drafted, and it angered or pissed off Aaron Rodgers enough to play like an MVP. Maybe this ignites Carson Wentz's career with the right guy. And I think there's a talented roster. There just needs to be the right person under the helm. That could be Jason Garrett. That could be Lincoln Riley. could be Joe Brady. There's so many possibilities. The Chiefs offensive coordinator, that seems like a really nice fit. Whatever it is, I think the Eagles have a bright future moving forward. It's just depending on who they hire next. So thank you, Kelly, for your question. Be sure to be able to be featured on the show using hashtag what's the plan. And that's pretty much it. I want to thank you guys for coming back to the Man with a Plan podcast. We've done so much in two months. It is absolutely insane what we've done, what we've built. I can't wait to be able to get up to Clemson, get this set up with you, and to continue putting out content. This is your MWP. My name is Grayson Mann. I hope you have a fantastic day, and as always, take care. (music) 